Art Teachers. I'm your host, Corby. I'm here with my co-host, Caitlin. Hello. And we might sound a little different because we both have new mics. Fancy Woo-hoo. new mics. We're very excited. We look really cool and official. Well, they can't see us, but yeah. And just to, you know, paint a picture for everyone listening. And also, thanks for coming back, listeners. We're glad to have you. Yeah. And if you have listened to our previous episodes, you might have a few questions like, what are we doing? What changes have we made in our classroom since we started school? I'm back at school. I've been back for three solid weeks. And Corby, you're starting this week? I start tomorrow. The yes. sigh of mixed feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have been working in your room a lot. And I still had to do things. So, yeah. I Yeah, so we've been talking a lot about the whole back to school, a lot of mixed feelings. Got into some environmental changes. Caitlin's implementing completely different philosophy. Like, there's a lot going on. So we thought it'd be cool just to kind of talk about some of the things that we've been experiencing. Just kind of share what's... Like a follow-up. Yeah, going on in real time. Then rest of the episode will be about our favorite, least favorite mediums to create with and teach and um, must-haves if you're ordering art supplies for your classroom and what we like to order what we like to use or not use so first check in yeah corby you start back tomorrow do you want to talk about it (laughs) i don't know it's it'll be okay um there's just even more newness on the scheduling we're trying out something even more new with sixth graders which i think is actually pretty cool they're going to come in the building by themselves and we're going to do some games and give them tours and just make them feel welcome. And then everybody's going through their schedule. Uh, when I say everyone, sixth, seventh and eighth grade and I have mixed grade levels, so I see all of them. Uh, so I've just had to really redo my usual, well, what I've done in the past for like the back to school intro day and week. Um, and this year I'm trying to keep it real simple. We're going to have a clay off. We're going to like do back to school activities and I'm going to give them prompts and they're going to use clay. We're going to make get to know you fortune tellers. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to keep it really simple, fun, not do too much. And I had to redesign my room, which I worked really hard (laughs) and I did keep like all my stations. I'm doing modified, I do modified tab. All my stations are pretty set, but my tables itself, just for some mobility, I had to redesign a couple different group table stations, which was fine. It's just, I wanted to make sure the flow was good and I wasn't planning on doing that. So that took a little bit of more thinking too. Yeah, I ended up kind of doing the same thing just after the first week. I left it the same the way, like I told you guys that my husband came in and helped me move the tables about 15 million times to get this unique kind of table setup because my room's kind of a unique I I have some challenges in my room with my lack of space so and my big big tables so we did that well the first week uh it I was seeing a lot of socializing which you know to some extent is good I want my students to feel comfortable just to be social in the art room but at the same time, you know, after the third class class, yes, yes, yeah. you, uh, you kind of need to stop talking at some point. So <sighs> I, uh, we, and then we had talked in a previous episode about classroom setup and how the tables um, arrangement can actually help or hurt with 
classroom management. And that also inspired me. I think, I think we talked about it a little bit, but that inspired me. I was like, I'm going to change it. I've had it this way for the last few years and I need to change something. So I did, I moved it to two rows because my room's very like rectangular, kind of narrow. So I changed it to two rows and one table each has like two max three kids. I really wish they only had two kids, but with some of the, my larger classes, I have to add a chair on the end and have three kids on there. So um, they are all facing forward or if they're on the end, they're kind of facing at an angle. Um, and even though I'm doing more choice and everything, I think this will help cut down with some of the excess noise because my room just gets really loud if there's a lot of talking. So I still want them to feel so I still want them to feel social and like comfortable and all of that, but it was to the point where it was it was becoming a problem. So And with your room being so small, I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like you have to make it work for you as a person and the students and your room. Uh it holds a lot of noise though. Like it felt like when I was in observing when we used to work in the same district uh, but it, it did really feel like it got loud very quickly, not because your students were just getting loud quickly. It just felt way more amplified. So I think that makes sense of you having to redesign the tables. You actually inspired me. The reason I was like, uh, kind of like hesitant in all the things I've had to come up with our conversation and that comment inspired me. My two front group tables is two of my biggest talking sections that I did kind of break up and that was what I struggled with of like how do I get them to still feel like they're a part of a group and ex and access the or have accessibility to their uh, materials or resources that I hold on their table but also cut down on like party fun time up at these front tables and also like talking and interacting to me I'm like no I'm trying to demo like I can't hang out with you right now I need you <laughs> I need you to do this like you're not sitting up here so we can have a <laughs> a fun time but yeah those they were really hard to keep like you're in a group but at the same time you need some space and we kind of need to break it up a little bit that I struggled with redesigning those two particular table groups yeah yeah and also with with only having four large table groups is which is what I had and having five to six kids at each group there's also only so many arrangements you can have with um like seating uh, seating assignments to keep certain kids away from certain kids that are not getting along or they're, you know, having some sort of issue in, uh, in other classes. And then the teacher tells me, oh, they, they can't be in the same group or they can't sit next to each other. Well, if they're at the same table, they can still talk even though, you know, so having, having it broken up into smaller groups of tables, it also allows for me to have a little bit more flexibility with keeping students hopefully in a comfortable area where they're not sitting next to someone that they're not, they can't handle it, you know? So, yeah. It, but it also prevents instead of having, cause when I only had those four big groups and if someone couldn't handle sitting in any of the four groups, I had to put them on an Island, which if you're a teacher, you know what that means, but like putting them on a, at a desk a by themselves in the, in the room with me and everybody, but still like putting them at a desk by themselves where they can focus and not be distracting to the learning environment. But with some classes, I had four or five islands going on. And that also takes away from my space, the act, you know, the accessibility in my space and using it, activating it for creation purposes. 
So I think, I hope that this helps so far. I think it has helped a lot with classroom management. Um, and I'm, I'm just hoping to keep it that way. So something else besides the seating, like changing the, the tables, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. else that I am trying this year is something that I learned from another colleague in our district. Um, he calls it win one, lose one. And I am calling it art media land. And I made it look kind of like candy land. Um, I made a little bulletin board next to my white, my uh, smart board. And my students were all very intrigued about that when they walked in for the first week and they were like, what is that? You know? And I was like, that's art media land. And we talked about it and they're all on board. They started with uh, crayons. So all across the board, I know you said you're doing clay, but we teach very different. I mean, we're teaching different age groups. And when I say clay, mine is the, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. I can just picture the boxes. It's like claymation clay, plasticine clay. Like it doesn't yeah. dry out. And so we're just going to like warm it oh. up and then they're going to do some prompts with it. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not breaking out like I the was wet. Like, when you said clay, I was like, wow, you're that's awesome. Good for you. No. I've studied them on crayons. <laughs> No, no, no. I am not feeling that brave. Uh, I'm even actually on the fence because that plasticine clay, especially for, I mean, if your motor skills aren't up, I mean, like if you're not using your hands all the time, it is hard to warm up. Like we have to go through like how to wedge it, how to get it warm. And that can kind of be a turnoff for some kids, but like that's going to be part of it. So it's like a little mini intro to, to that clay. But yeah, no, no, no. We're not breaking out like pottery clay. Absolutely not. I would have a heart attack personally. (laughs) <laughs> yeah more power to everybody that does that at the beginning of the year what uh what medium are you on in media land right now that was something I wanted to ask you where I was like ooh, because we've we've like talked for those listening and like keep up and everything but like it's it's been a pretty busy last few weeks too so that's why we we're like let's do this check-in so what medium have you guys gotten you all have gotten to because it is based on behavior too and how our students are able my students are able to handle each medium we're going through, we started with crayons, um, and then next was colored pencils. And that is what most of my classes are on right now as colored pencils. They've made it to like one step further. Um, and I'm trying to move them along pretty quickly if they're able to handle everything. There have been a few classes that they did not get to move on to colored pencils yet. So mm-hmm. then they came back and they were like, Bummer. Oh yeah, they were like, well, I looked at my book and I'm, I'm recording it in my, my book and they're like, yeah, oh, we're still on crayons. And I was like, yep, looks like we got a sad face last week. And then we talk about like, what could we do better today in order to get to move on to color pencils? And someone's like, don't throw the crayons. Like, don't eat the crayons. <laughs> don't break the crayons. Wow. So we are talking about how to use all the different media, like respectfully, responsibly, but also in an artistic way. So I'm showing them different meat like different techniques to do with all those we're working on that and getting to the next level and then I have explained to them because we're we're I'm trying to we're kind of trying to go through a few of the drawing materials pretty quickly like technique skill builder and then um using it applying those skills to a quick drawing then I've told them this is something also that I decided to do in the last few weeks. I, I hadn't really planned on this, but I decided based on the, my students that once we get past um, markers, I'm going to give them time to create a choice 
based art with like maybe a prompt and they can use either crayons, color pencils, or markers to, in any of the drawing materials to create a piece of their choice based on a prompt. And that will be kind of like the open studio for drawing center. So we're going through like one media, but media at a time with drawing, but then once that's open, they'll do that. And then we'll move on to the next center or studio. And that's kind of something that I've just developed in the last few weeks. It's like a nice natural, I was gonna say pause and break, but that doesn't seem accurate. It's almost like a review. Give them choice. Yeah, like a review. Let them explore that and then, and also a way of reward and then also move forward to the next mediums and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I was looking at the art media land and it's like 17 different media. Like it's a lot. And I was thinking if I just go over each of these and then we do these quick skill builders and then they don't really get a chance to apply it in their own way, they might not really be remembering these things. And then once we can have all the studios open, it might be like overwhelming for them. So I wanted to kind of take a pause after each kind of main category like drawing was open so that they can apply the new techniques and skills that they're learning in their own way and we can also talk then about one of the studio habits of mind as well yeah that makes sense so yeah so that's kind of how I've decided to structure the school year and I think I'm pretty happy with it and we're trying to move at like a perky pace so <laughs> that that's like an elementary thing perky, perky pace, pace. So, so that's, that's kind of how I've just decided in, at the, in the summer before school started, I kind of was still trying to figure out how I was going to structure that. And I'm just adapting as I go. And I think that's the direction I'm going to go this year. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm glad it's working. I am not there yet since we just start tomorrow, but, uh, I will tell you <laughs> so proud. I finally got what we're doing down in a loose structure of this semester all on paper two days ago. You have the whole semester outlined? Very loosely, very loosely. But it is structured. It's interesting. Yours is framed around media land. And what a, like, great way to tie back into also we're going to talk about our favorite things, mediums to teach, least favorite, and, like, go-to supplies and stuff. So that's a cool tie-in. Um, mine is not designed in media land like yours, but the structure is very similar where I'm chunking each project kind of focuses on two different types of materials and then they have choice within that and then after that they know where that station is in the art room they can keep using it or they don't have to afterwards and when we move on to the next project it kind of highlights two other areas with the concept and also like skill builders how to use that area and then we just keep going on and on and then some kids will gravitate back to some of those areas or stations and some will probably be like nope never again and that's fine but yeah, that's pretty much the, when I say loose structure setup of like, which ones are first and what artists are we going to look at, what is going to be like our main, uh, like few elements of art, main concepts, all that good stuff. Yeah. And it took me oh, all the way up until right before school started. Well, that's okay. I didn't have mine figured out until like after the first week of school. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, and even then, I think it's important to remember, like, even though I, okay, I've kind of set up the structure in these, um the expectation for my students of this is how we're going to start the year. 
I'm not saying like, oh, this is how every single class is going to go or this is how the rest of the year, because they've even asked me, what happens when we get to the end of Art Media Land? And you're like, I don't and I'm know, like, we have to wait because it's a surprise. The surprise is, yeah. is I haven't decided. I'm like, right. I'm like, oh, I guess we'll find out. That's always <laughs> like, what I, I don't say. know either. The kids last year are like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Or even during COVID. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, we're we're figuring it out. I'm building the plane as we're flying it. That's what's happening. Yes. But it's okay to say that and like, but in a way that's like, oh, I guess we'll find out together. Like, <laughs> let's wait and see or, you know. And so that's, I mean, that's what I did too. I was, cause I was like, I don't know. I, cause I don't know how long it's going to take my classes to get to the end. So yeah. I'm going to wait and see like if it's okay, if it's by December and then all of a sudden we're on winter break, great. I have, I'll have another plan for the whole spring and maybe all the studios will be open because we've gone through all of the media and then I'll just give different prompts and they can choose what they want from the studios. That's kind of my loose plan. But if it takes longer than winter break to go through all the studios, you know, I'm going to, we're just going to have to like adjust as we go. Yeah. Your situation's even more unique since you're going off the game-based play and it revolves around the win one, lose one too, or like that's very influential. Whereas my kids have some flexibility in the days that I've designed and we could kind of change course as is, but I just wanted to lock in like the concepts, uh, the overall like structure of it. And then it's going to change based on like their surveys and what they're telling me that they're interested in and how we can work that in. But I needed to have that overall like, okay, this is the lineup of mediums in this order. This is kind of the scaffolding, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We want to get into favorite mediums personally or favorite and least favorite things to teach which one are you feeling each you said teacher each teach <laughs> although our mics are so amazing it was very hard to tell that pronunciation I'm, I'm still getting used to like how close i need to be to the mic <laughs> yeah i keep feeling like i'm gonna bump this little thing in front of it that makes me feel like a singer yeah and i know like you already explained your doing a new structure this year but in the past I am really excited to learn what's your favorite medium to teach students do you, do you have, have one in mind do you want to go first <laughs> jinx I do actually I do okay because I, I, I might need to think on this one for a second okay I actually really love teaching clay as much as it gives me a headache and I am always stressed and I know that I go it's almost like a routine I'm like oh I'm excited and then I feel like I always text you and then we talk about clay stuff and then I get ideas and then I'm like going through this the roller coaster of emotions with clay. It's still my favorite to teach kids because of the payoff with how much kids connect to clay. No matter what I've taught in clay and even when we just get out clay, it's just always so exciting. Even for middle schoolers, when we get out that plasticine clay I mentioned earlier, they love that. Like we started doing, um, towards the end of the year, I was doing memory challenges to help build up their visual memory vocabulary and some of the kids asked me, they're like, why? Let's do this more. Like, why don't we do this more often? And I'm like, you're right. That's these little simple things are fun and we're using clay in a different way. Why don't we? So that's actually what I'm, that's kind of similar to what I'm doing this week when I said we're having a clay off uh, with some prompts. Uh, so even those little moments are really fun. And I, I love that clay also opens up so much choice. So the way that I structure clay lessons is usually around at least for middle school. And I did this for elementary but it was just kind of fluctuating. Uh, but I'm building up our clay curriculum to go off of like 
the focus on techniques. So pinch pots, um, coils, and then slabs. So we're doing slabs this semester. So I try to do a different one each semester. And then the kids who have done it already have the background of the previous technique so they can apply it. Oh, and forms. We go over that each time too. Uh, but anyway, so like that's the focused. There's different artists that go with it. And then there's a lot of choice that gets opened up without even me really having to suggest it for the kids. Like they always bring such really cool, unique ideas to the table because there's just so much flexibility with clay. There's just so much that you can build and it's just so neat. It's neat to see them get excited about that too. I've never really seen a student get overwhelmed by all of that. And maybe it's just because of the sensory experience with clay. And I know that could, you know, be different for different students, but it's just always a positive time. And the kids are so excited by what they make. So that's always a, a plus too. Yeah. Well, sometimes I feel like you see different, like different sides of kids and like some kids that maybe weren't into art very much. And then they come out of their shell because it's actually something that is engaging to them and intriguing and where they feel like they are actually good at something in art versus drawing can be really, you know, intimidating to a lot of kids. I don't know what it is though about like the perfectionism. Like I feel like a lot more kids let go of that when they're doing clay even though for example we did bobbleheads as a project and they might be like oh I'm gonna make this Yoda bobblehead but they're not breaking down in the same way when the Yoda head doesn't turn out exactly like Yoda like it looks relatively like Yoda like you got the ears you can tell it's his head whereas if you're making a Yoda drawing that just seems to that ship is just so different on like I'm going downhill when it doesn't look like Yoda I'm done I don't want to draw like it just seems like it's just such a different reaction maybe it's because they are they are used to drawing like they have been drawing since they were little usually with crayons and pencils and all the things and so they feel like they should be better at it but then if they're doing clay my this is my theory I guess it's like if they're doing clay and they're not very experienced in clay it's kind of like oh I'm learning something new it's more of that thought because they've used pencils for writing and drawing for years at that point and so maybe the expectation is just higher for themselves that their drawings should look different but clay maybe they just let themselves go a little bit like let some of those expectations go yeah I don't know that's a good point I bet I think that that probably or maybe it's the therapeutic aspect of clay like it calm is calming. Yeah, I could see both. I do think it is the sensory experience and the therapeutic experience as well. But I think that psychological aspect of having that pressure of, like you said, we've learned how to write, we've learned how to draw and almost the societal expectation of if you're going to draw, it has to look this way. And if you don't do that, then you've almost failed. Whereas clay isn't accessible like that. You don't have as much experience maybe. So there's nothing not. in the back of your mind telling you, oh yeah, I have to get it exactly like this Yoda. And I just want that magic and that feeling to live on. Like I want kids to keep that with clay. Like I just, yeah. I just love that about clay. I, I love that about clay too. And I would say that's one of my top three, probably media to teach. I, I love teaching clay and I was really sad during the pandemic when I was not able to get it out because I was teaching on a cart and there was all these restrictions. So I did model magic instead. So if you're a teacher and you don't have a kiln, um, you could do model magic clay projects. 
but I love the real stuff. Um, I would say my, if we're done talking about clay, I would say that my, <laughs> yeah, what's yours? Uh, mine is that I love teaching and I haven't, I didn't do this last year and I really missed it. I love teaching fiber art with like weaving and the only weaving that I had last year was in a, a station or center where I had the big, um, like plastic garden fencing up on the wall and I had ribbons and yarn and students could cut long pieces and then like weave it back and forth through the garden fencing as an early finisher or a calm down activity. So I still have that up, but I also invested last year in a bunch of these little wooden looms and they're really um, accessible for elementary students. So I'm excited to do that. My very first year, I think it was, or my second year teaching, we did these like paper plate looms and I loved- I've never done paper. I remember seeing yours. I've never done paper plate looms with kids or myself. We just did the cardboard when I was in elementary. We did the, the traditional little cardboard loom situation. Yeah. 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 And I did that, but like in a round version on the paper plate. So mm-hmm. um, I think that I got that idea from Cassie Stevens probably. But um, they, and this these were some classes that I was really struggling with and they absolutely loved it. And they also felt, I think it was kind of therapeutic for them. They also, I mean, it was a very new thing to them. So it was very different, kind of like clay. Like they didn't really have expectations. I realized we all struggled, not me, but like all my students really struggled with. I was like, um, I'll wait to share that in a minute. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) With knots, like tying knots and um, like doing the loom. So it was, that part was a little difficult. And I'm trying to figure out some easier ways to do that with my the next time we do it but as far as once we got started weaving they loved it I also have done paper weaving with my younger students and once they get the hang of that they love it too but the reason I loved the the plate loom weaving was that we did it in the winter and a lot of them like when we had indoor recess a lot of them were asking if they could come into my room and like keep weaving on their paper plates during recess and I was not on recess duty, so I was able to be in there with them and help them. And I remember just this one, like, afternoon. It was freezing out, so we were indoor recess. And I had, like, seven or eight kids in my room, and they all decided to sit on the carpet. And they were, like, in a circle, and they were all weaving. And it was so quiet, and I had the music on, and they were kind of talking quietly and weaving. And it was just so, like... I don't know. It's like ideal, you know, yeah. like, oh, if this could be art class every day where we're just like working and talking and listening to music is really cool. I, I, so I'm laughing because that, yes, that happened with second grade when I was teaching elementary where it was like when you said therapeutic and that's how I feel about fiber in my personal life. I was like, yes, I a hundred percent relate to that. And I think that that's glorious and I'm really excited. That's on my list this year is to open up a uh, fiber station specifically for yeah. weaving, weaving at middle Me school. Too. So I've never done that with middle school. So when I did weaving with it was specifically second grade at my previous elementary school, that was lovely. And they, they did, it was like, they wanted to stay the entire time, like multiple weeks in a row. I had a block of second graders 
and the teacher would always come to pick them up and I was we were always late and the teacher just like stood in the door a couple classes and I was like oh I'm so sorry I didn't realize that you were here and she was just like no no it's okay and like she was just like hanging out with us and just watching like the whole class was just so it was the calmest I've ever seen them and they were on the floor like laying on the carpet weaving some people were like sitting at their desks and it was just it was it was like so magical like I'm getting chills and that was it was just lovely. It was just, yeah, ideal. It's like, oh, this is what I want art to be for all students. And then I, on the opposite side, I have visions of kindergarten weaving when you said paper weaving. And I was like, that was, oh my gosh, when you said <laughs> we were struggling, that's where I was struggling. Like I remember having to rethink how to teach over and under to kindergartners and how are we going to go through it on the carpet? And like, it was a madness. And I ended up doing weaving. Oh, we did. How did you? Because I didn't even do. <laughs> I have never done weaving with kindergarten because of that reason. Like it was they crazy. don't. If they don't know how to like tie their shoes, they're like weaving is kind of next level. Yeah, yeah. So here, here we are. I guess as in, we guess we can market this is how to teach weaving to kindergarten. It was tough. It was not successful. Like the first few times, I only did paper. Like that. That is what we ended up doing. Basically, after we did a lesson looking at different. Uh, cultures of weaving. They did a paint activity to do some designs on a piece of paper. I cut the loom for them and then I had their second painting. So they had two painted papers. They had their second painting also cut by me in strips and I ended up doing it in stations. So I had a rotation of kindergarten and I only had the kids on the carpet with me work on their paper weaving. So I was sitting with them and so it was like a small group activity and so we could do the over and under and I could look at them and, and help them maneuver because yeah, that was like, there's no way we're doing that with a class of like 25 kindergartners. And this was also not in the first semester, but second semester. So they're like, you know, acquainted to school and not doing the whole routines and all that. Um, and I don't remember what the other two stations were. I know one of them was a motor skill activity and it was with a little shapes that I got from Target and you could do the shoelaces in and out so they could go in one hole, like pull the string through, go out and like back and forth. Yeah, so like lacing shape. Yeah, yeah. So they're still practicing, not technically weaving, but like still motor skill. And then I don't remember what the other two stations were, but yeah, so it only worked. Like that was how, for me, it was successful when it was on a rotation. And so I could just, and that's how I introduced weaving to them. So then by first grade and we did paper weaving again, it was not needed to happen in a station situation it probably would have been fine but like they were much better on their own and then second grade was fiber with the cardboard loom so yeah that was crazy weaving weaving with kinder I don't know yeah I think that that was be that would be a good technique is to and that's what I do a lot of times with kinder in any way with lots of different media is to break it down and have centers at like when I used to have my four big tables I would have three of them be different centers and then one of them would be with me like working on the project and then we would rotate through the class until everyone had done everything um it's great for their attention spans it is and I mean they I mean chunking things into smaller you know sets of and not having like you can have more one-on-one attention with those students that really need more one-on-one help so but now see now that my classroom I set up my tables differently I'm gonna have to rethink how to do that like do I push the tables back together just for that one class or because my tables are big and heavy like I can't do that without the custodian helping me because I'll scratch up the floors they don't want me to do that so 
um That's yeah I need to re- I kind of need to rethink like how I'm going to do centers with kindergarten and first grade so yeah I forgot about that word centers I keep saying stations because we had the PE teacher also uses stations in middle school uh, yeah, I say centers when it's like on the tables when you put out certain supplies or at the different tables for yeah. that. And then I say like stations or studios for like the drawing studio and the um, sculpture studio. And what do you a, say for that? It's just a word that I've forgotten. So I say area, like we have dry media tool or a dry media tool section or area because that's where all of the dry media tools live. Uh, but when I do activities with my middle schoolers and there are different, like technically I'm doing air quotes, they're technically centers on the tables. I just kind of forgot about that term in elementary world and they're already used to hearing the phrase station. So I've just called them stations because PE is also doing, they do different station rotations on a certain day throughout the week. So yeah, no, it just helps me understand what you're talking about too. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, that's where I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about centers. Like, yeah. Yeah, but we been I think fiber is going to be awesome this year. Hopefully, I I mean it's on our art media land tour, so I'm excited for the classes to get to that. And then I also have I got a ton of donations of yarn. We're gonna do the looms, and then I also have I'm building up my supplies of kids like elementary level knitting needles because I love knitting. We Oof. obviously we you and I know that about each other, but Mm-mm. we have um done that together like personally but in school I've never taught knitting I've taught kids how to knit like outside of school areas so I do think it's possible but I think I'm going to leave that as a an option so like weaving is going to be the base level fiber option but then if they want to take a step up and they are interested in learning more about that then maybe I teach them like a few students whoever's interested how to knit and some students are really they're like asking about it so that's great I love that for you I've been shaking my head because I I love that for you I love that for you I would never in like in any world do that no no no. I say yeah I last year that was my boundary that was me practicing boundaries is we had well our home ec teacher did the did a knitting club long story short it had a lot to do with funding and who you or the other teacher the home ec teacher did and I love that's where so Caitlin's saying she loves to knit Caitlin actually taught me how to knit it was on my bucket list for life Caitlin taught me and so I knit as well and I love that and I love fiber but I was like I don't know if I want to do that outside of teaching like add like to that I don't know how to describe it like I do fiber in my own time just for me and I mean I do other mediums as well but it just felt like nope this is for me I don't know if I want to have to work through that with kids because you don't want to like mix the personal and the professional world of like you love knitting on your own so you don't want to do it at school that's really interesting because I feel like the opposite where I'm like oh I I really want to teach all my students how to knit because I've gotten so much out of it and even if they learn just like a basic knit stitch and how to cast on and cast off and maybe we can make little teddy bear scarves like I started with a long long time ago yeah that's what we started with like that's how you that's taught me how to knit I taught you yeah and but see that got you into like weaving and other stuff that you I mean it got you into a lot of other fiber art that you're now doing other things so I, I really think it could it could open up a whole world of other media for students like sewing for, oh for sure for sure and that's why so the home ec 
the home ec teacher and that department, when I said long story short, it had to do with funding. So that's why she taught it. And then she knew that I was an avid knitter. And so she was like, oh, do you want to help? Uh, or do you want to volunteer or drop in? And I was like, oh, okay, I don't mind dropping in and like connecting with the kids about it, but I don't want to be in charge of like coming up with projects for them because as like middle schoolers, once they learned, I was like, okay, they're going to be taking off. And she, a lot of her sewing kids basically ended up signing up for this knitting club too. So it wasn't, it was yeah. like an after school thing. Yeah. And then it was after school time. So I was like, oh, I really just want to keep that for myself. But I have, after that experience, I don't want to teach a knitting workshop, like because she's doing it. And I, I like that I can drop in and I got to connect with kids and it was their avenue of, oh, this is exciting. I have something else that I'm interested in. I'm good at, and it can open up all those doors. I absolutely believe that. But I definitely liked, again, my cool aunt role of I get a drop in, connect with what you're making. Sure. And then but like, send what about you during off. your class? Like, would you ever teach it as a media in your art class? Uh, Not after school. Because I, I understand, like, trying to preserve your after school time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As for me, as, like, looking out at my classroom and thinking about teaching 25 to 30 middle schoolers how to knit, no. I think. What if it was, like, a like you did it as a rotation or something if kids are interested because we get into weaving and then they're like oh I is it just delayed uh if kids are interested in fiber and they're asking me oh hey how do how do you knit or what does this look like then yeah I would show a few but I just didn't want to dedicate making like lesson plans around it my after school time and it is really hard to knit. Like I remember what it was like to learn how to knit. And so mentally I was just like, I don't, I don't really want to sign up for that right now in my life. Yeah, <laughs> no, I get that. I mean, it is like an, it's a big undertaking, Yeah. but, and I considered even like, can we do a knitting club, but I don't want to do it after school. I want to do like a knitting during lunch recess club during the winter because a lot of times we have indoor recess yeah and I had thought I had thought about like the story I told earlier how those students could come in and work on their weaving because it was indoor recess and the problem is is I have a lot of recess duty this year and so like the one day that I don't have recess duty would I be willing to give up my like lunch time that day to or my extra plan time or whatever it is to do a knitting club and would I even be able to do it in 20 minutes because it's only a 20 minute period of time that's not a lot of time so I don't know I I would love to do because it is something you have to teach in smaller groups yeah and I do think because you're you're the only person at your school though I mean maybe I don't know if there's other staff members who know how to knit or crochet but in your situation I get that want to build up a fiber community for sure I think if I didn't have the home ec teacher who was teaching uh sewing and teaching now knitting and things like that I would feel a little different like down the road like this year I'm gonna offer more art clubs I maybe would have considered adding that in I'm gonna actually do a weaving club I am doing that and that is something that I also was like oh do I really want to teach it because it's like one of my one of my personal things like I just want it to be my time but like after school yeah but I do want to give that to students where it is an access point and I do feel mentally ready to be like okay I feel more comfortable in this I'm willing to share I think it's going to be a good experience for them and I have some kids yeah. who are really interested in fiber but I do yeah I get where you're coming from where you're like oh it's cool they'll like it and I think you should try it even if it's like mini lessons like on pencils you could do it on pencils like that's cool yeah that's true 
and I do have some sets of like need sewing needles or not sewing knitting needles already and plenty of yarn. Um, so I, uh, I think I have the tools. I just need to figure out like, am I going to try to do it during a fiber unit or with like just a small group of kids at a time? Or am I going to try to do it as a club during my one non recess duty a week or after school, but I really am trying to preserve, like you said, too. I'm trying to preserve that after school time because, I mean, our jobs are hard enough. A adding things after school that, which we've already been told this year, we're not getting paid for after school clubs. So, like, there's no budget for that. So, I'm kind of like, well, okay, I'm not doing it, which sounds, I I've never done it, but I was going to do it if there was budget for a stipend pay of, like, an hour, a small hourly wage. Um, but if there's not, then, you know, I feel like I donate enough of my time. I'm not going to probably take that on also, but if I can do it, if I can fit it in during the school day and do it like once a week or twice a week during the winter, I think that a fiber little fiber club would be really cool. Yeah. It sounds nice. And in the winter too, it just makes me think of coziness and it is yeah. such a good activity to keep your hands busy. And we can like make hats. I mean, I want to get to where like, oh, my kids can make hats because I mean, hats aren't that hard, really, once you get the hang of it, like, or, and there's also, like, hat looms that are, like, almost a cheat, I think, no, no, but no, no. it's, like, little hat looms. What? The fact, okay, for everyone listening, and for those, if you're listening it as a knitter, and I'm laughing, because I'm laughing, and I'm imagining my mental reality picture of watching these middle schoolers, real talk, struggle with these needles. I mean, it was, like, five weeks and these little dudes didn't know how to cast on still. Like, it was a struggle bus. Like, they are not going to be making hats. Oh, you're right. <laughs> like, like, that was just a funny, I'm sorry, not, I mean, okay. it is kind of a what bubble if they pop. Use those, like, what if they use those hat looms, though? They could make hats really quickly with the hat looms. That's true, that's true. And then also, I was just imagining, like, when we get to months in the winter time and we're like, hey, let's do a check-in. And I'm like, how do those uh, hats go, Caitlin? And you're like, um, yeah. <laughs> no. But the hat looms, yeah. yes, I know. And I, I agree. I have some mixed feelings on those. But I think it is a good access point, too. I think that that could be a way that they make hats. I actually don't and, know how to use those, but I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it, they're really easy to learn. And once you get going, I mean, you can make it in like not even an hour, like a whole hat and just boom, 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 like knock it out. It's just something that I love doing. And I want, I want to share with them. I think fiber is such a good way to build community too. It's just so yeah. wholesome art. I mean, the arts in general, but they are yeah. but like I said with the with the weaving like you can sit and, and same with knitting you can sit and while you're focusing once you get in the, the zone of like you know what you're doing and you're not struggling with every stitch yeah. so give it like a then couple months once for you them. get in the zone like <laughs> you can talk and listen to music and like enjoy each other's company while you're knitting and I think that's really cool that's so cool about art in general but yeah I think fiber is especially like zen I agree with that. And some of my kids need Zen. We all need Zen. We all need Zen. <laughs> You're right. So I was going to say on the opposite end of the spectrum, because we've been talking about how much fun and how much we like to teach clay and fiber, the opposite is yeah. our least favorite. And I'm really eager if our answers are going to be the same on this one. Least favorite to teach. Should we do like, should we do like three, two, one, go, and we say it at the same time? Yes, I love that. Okay. 
wait, hold on. Let me, hold on. Let me decide. Cause I have like several. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I do think I have some that are like, there's more frustrations, even though I love it myself, but then yes. the backlash is like, oh, this isn't really worth it. But I understand like not everyone's going to love the same thing. Okay. But I wonder if it ours are the same. Okay. Ready? Okay. And there might be a delay. So I feel like we should like say it slowly. Countdown three. in your video. Okay. Three, two, one acrylic print me oh <laughs> I was not gonna guess that for you I know and I love printmaking that's the thing like I I love printmaking for me and a lot of times students end up loving it too but it is also it's the management it can be such, the printmaking management yeah. like prep and cleanup is insane it's a beast I feel like that I I forget I just did printmaking for the first time last year with my new school and it was glorious, but yes, it is very similar to me and Clay of the cleanup. The management is so, so, so intense, but, uh... I think printmaking is harder cleanup than uh, Clay. Oh, really? Yeah. And the reason because, I like, hate... The ink, I guess it depends on the ink you use and stuff, but the ink can be so messy, and then if you, if you don't clean it right away, it can be so stuck on there, on the brayers, on the trays, whatever that you're using and it's just like it's just a whole inky mess and it's mm. hard for kids to clean it up without getting everywhere for me acrylics management is what I mean I also am just not a fan of acrylic in general and that's partially because of how fast it I mean mostly because of how fast it dries and then the management of it to me there's just no great way to keep the paints or wash the paints it just always seems like a cluster anytime anyone's using acrylic I just don't love doing acrylic with kids I really try I have to work really hard to not let that show I, sh I just do not like it I don't I don't like acrylic I don't I 100% agree with you <laughs> and I do not use acrylics in the elementary art room I don't have oh correction I do have some acrylics that were donated to me um, but I keep them on the highest shelf in my paint cabinet. <sighs> and the only reason I use any acrylic is for printmaking. If I don't have actual printmaking ink, acrylic is like the next best thing. And again, it's super messy and it dries so quickly. And that's why it's hard to clean up. So, I mean, they are connected that, that way because that's the only time I use acrylic in the elementary art room. Okay, so game changer. And I know... I know our situations are different, but that makes a lot of sense. With printmaking, I only use, and it's glorious, I only use printmaking ink. And it's just like the Blick ink or, um, I can't remember, oh, Speedball, that too. Uh, but is it, is it, oh, so is it water-soluble? Yeah. And then also, like. It's water-soluble. Okay, I need to get more of that because what I've been using is I had a whole huge set of, like, super old printmaking ink that's speedball but it like got gunky I, and gross it's gunky it's gross it's horrible and i i have been trying to use that up the good ones that are still like kind of good um and then when i don't have that i use the acrylic because that's the next best thing that i also have and don't have to buy just oh. me, tell me what which one to order because i i need to figure that out yeah i think you'll you will not you will not despise printmaking anymore and you will just go back into the category of despising acrylic because I also <laughs> would lose my mind if, and I've tried to do some printmaking in the past with acrylic just to test it out and didn't love the results, but I know it's an option, but 
to me, that does make the cleanup and the management even harder. And I'm not saying printmaking is, like, it is still difficult and it does still have a timely fashion to it when it comes to washing the brayer, washing the plates, all of that, but it's not as, like, timely as acrylic. So that'll pull off some of that pressure and then it can just be, like, the stressor of, you know, management of the kids and things. So basically, we do have the same answer. It's acrylic. (laughs) Yeah. It's just that I don't use it for only acrylic painting. I was only using it for printmaking, which is why I was not liking printmaking with my students. Yeah. And I, I'm curious, because I didn't use acrylic with elementary kids. And the only reason I broke out acrylic at my now school is because there's so much of it in the closet and I don't want to waste things. And also the kids are asking, that's the biggest thing that they want to, they want to use. I mean, they straight up told me vicious, like they're just savages. They straight up told me after we did watercolor and let me back up actually, they, when they fill out their surveys and I ask them, you know, like, what do you hope to make this year? And like, what do you like working with? And some of them just say painting and some of them very specifically said, I want to use acrylic paint. So I'm like, okay, I know that we need to hit that at some point. However, the very vague artists who put painting, I'm like, cool, we can, we're doing watercolor, like, that'll check that box for them. And then some of these kids were like, so when are we going to do the real painting, Miss Liker? And I was like, what? (laughs) These are real paints. But I knew that they're talking about acrylic because that's what they see on Instagram, TikTok. It just is in art stores. Could you lie and tell them that, like, tempera is acrylic? I kind of thought about it, but I don't have tempera, so... I can't oh. do that. I don't have liquid tempera. I have tempera cakes, which I love those, but... Again, they yeah, kind of look like watercolor. Yeah. And I... Yeah. So, um, that's a... My acrylic station, I ended up revisiting, redesigning, and I've decided to only let red, yellow, and blue live there, and white and black. So, they're going to have some experiential learning on that station and also to mitigate all of the freaking paint bottles that are opened and getting crusty and gross and it's just so much and I know and maybe you're thinking this too Caitlin and if you're listening and you're like oh but why don't you get like the little like ketchup and mustard bottles or like get the things where you like pump it but I don't like acrylic paint people like I don't want to invest in it like that because I don't want to do all of that I just want to use what we have. (laughs) And, okay, at the elementary level, like, the pumps or the ketchup and mustard bottles, which I've seen both of those options, I do not feel comfortable letting my students use those. Like, you know how they're going to treat those pump bottles. Like, you know when the pump bottles get kind of, they get kind of, like, clogged, like, halfway clogged, and then you, you, so you push it a little harder, and then all of a sudden, the clog comes out, and then all the paint comes out with it because yep. you're pushing it hard. Yep. You know where that's going? All over the counter, all over the floor, all over their like their apron, or hope hopefully they're wearing an apron or their clothes. And I'm not about that life. So, <laughs> no, no pump, no pumps, no ketchup and mustard bottles that they're gonna try to pretend to eat. And um. I will be dishing out the, the paint. I just, I don't know why there was a delay in my processing, but I just registered the, what you said. And I can totally see that happening where they're holding it up and pretending to eat it. And then it just goes all over their face. And that's they, Yeah. And not, then it actually goes in their face. That's not a scenario that I ever thought through. 
that's the type of thing you have to think about in elementary school like they're going to do that and because just, they, they think oh it's a ketchup bottle like oh look it's red paint in a ketchup bottle I'm, or yellow paint in a mustard bottle and i just like, haven't been there no my, my line of thinking is different i've got my eye out for more like questionable oh, things honestly, made out of clay that's a different life i mean i would not put it past the middle school students either to do that oh no you're right you're absolutely right but just like because i don't have that, that in my middle like I don't have that in my room it's not a thing that I had to think about like how could this go wrong I don't have it in my room either but I saw them at the store and I was like "Ooh, should I nope (laughs) they will do that I know that they will and it's going to become a problem you convinced me and it's a cute it's a cute idea for distributing paint but is it practical is it safe I don't know like it's not for me maybe only if the teacher uses it not for my acrylic station (laughs) not for my kids well so speaking of different media and like acrylic paint versus other stuff and we talked about okay I need to order some you know speedball yeah print, you do printmaking ink so make hopefully that'll make my printmaking experience with the students a little bit easier um what are some things on your like must order list whether it's every year or just like whenever it runs out you have to get it for your classroom because it's the best stuff. Do you guys, do you have, do, first of all, do you do your own ordering? Cause I know some people do not do their own ordering for their classrooms, which that would drive me crazy. Um, but yeah. do you do your own ordering and uh, how does that look for you? I forget that some people aren't in charge of their own ordering. That would drive me crazy. I do do my own ordering. My situation's still in flux right now. I would say I'm still learning my new school, my art room, what I got myself into because it was pretty stocked when I took over this room for the previous teacher. So I don't really have like the go-to things since I feel like everything's been changing in the past three years that I've been at this school. But I do have some really cool supplies that I've discovered through accessing this room that I was like, not aware of before working here so that's been really exciting and I feel like it's been really authentic to also share that with the the students that I'm working with too like I'm excited about these new materials and then they're excited and it's a nice collaboration between uh supply ideas and like what markers are working for each of us and things like that so Prismacolor alcohol-based markers a game changer I just learned though that they're discontinued and I didn't realize we use them in art school. Do you remember using them in our design classes? Prismacolor yeah. markers? I, I just didn't remember them. I just, it, yeah. I didn't know it's that. Not, it's just that they're expensive. Like, I, I haven't ordered them for my elementary kids because they're, aren't they pretty expensive? Yeah. Yes, this is for middle school. Like, I would highly recommend if you're, you're in middle school and your kids yeah. are interested in markers, but Prismacolor, they did discontinue that line. I can never say this brand correctly, but I have a couple students who have brought in their own alcohol-based marker set that they're like obsessed with and love with. It's O H U H U O O H U O H U O H U I don't know how to say it. I don't know. We'll link it, but and I even struggle with that with the kids, and they're like, "No, Miss Liker, it's this," and I'm like, "I just need you to keep saying that for me." Uh, it's a comparable brand, and they're awesome. And then I know another brand that's in like Michael's or Hobby Lobby is Tombow and they're pretty cool too. Basically those alcohol-based markers, like my kids don't really want to use Crayola because I have those setting out and it's fantastic. Like it makes marker so, so cool. So fun. All the things you can do with them, blending, 
even just like regular coloring page. It's exciting. It, it has been a game changer for me. Like I've been using markers the past year because of having access to all the different colors. So they're cool. Yeah. And that would be, that would be something that like secondary art teachers might be really into instead yeah. of also at that age, the kids, I feel like you're, they kind of look at Crayola like, Oh, that's little kid stuff, you know? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But I mean, still, I mean, I have Crayola markers out like different, uh, tips like thin or like a regular size Crayola marker. Like those are still accessible and they are still using them, but they definitely are wanting to grab the Prismacolor markers on the mm. days that we have a sketchbook activity or a choice activity for sure. Like I need to really stock back up on those. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's a, a big one. We also were talking about paints, uh, watercolors, which I wasn't aware of this brand. I do know they're a little more expensive. You can get them at Blick. Lyra, L-Y-R-A, Lyra watercolors. The palette setup itself is also very pleasant. I feel like it is that transition of, like you mentioned, like, oh, Crayola, like this is for little kids. But then this watercolor palette is like, ooh, we have a section where it's flat, there's space, little like circular sections where you can like mix your paint and then all the colors are arranged. Um, they so it are, has like a built-in palette. Yeah. And then I think you can buy replacements and, and I do have Crayola. Like I got Crayola watercolors for, uh, virtual teaching art supplies and, and those they do, they work great. You can do a lot of things, but I will say that comparing the two brands, you can produce much more rich colors the techniques hold up a little bit better even when you're doing like the the standard salt on the watercolor like it just reacts on a watercolor piece of paper more strongly than using the Crayola I'm saying the Lyra brand does so those are fantastic and again for an elementary school situation where you're going through like a ton of supplies super fast I know that that might not be the best solution for you but for middle school and high school teachers I do think that this is a pretty awesome brand that is slightly more expensive but like still kind of affordable that you could invest in at least like even 10 just to have as like an option to yeah. try out so you could compare the uh watercolors that i started ordering for my elementary students are the crayola educational watercolors and the cool thing about it is it comes with um the primary colors and like several little ovals trays of them and then they pop out kind of like praying there's a few mm. there's a few of brands that you can pop out the little oval um you know i don't know what you call them the little paint. the paint ovals uh some of them are squares but these are ovals yeah did you and, know you have to spend more to get the square set than the circular set that's weird yeah i no, was like that's not. Huh, yeah, you do. It's like a couple bucks more for the squares, the square paint, than the circular oval paint. Nah, that's yeah. not worth it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe. But I, I get the Crayola Educational Watercolor sets. And the cool thing is, like, I only invested in those once, one year. And then I ordered refills of all the colors that I wanted to put in the sets. And that way... Um, when, you know, like, let's say we're painting landscapes and they, they go, they blow through the blue, right? Well, in pre in other sets and cheaper sets, when it's all connected, you can't refill them. When the blue's gone, 
they basically want to trash that whole set because they're like, oh, I don't have any blue. I can't use this set. But when when that happens in Crayola, this educational set, I can just go pop in a new blue and they can still use the whole set. And it's I think it's more eco-friendly that way. So I haven't thrown away all these plastic sets of watercolors because I can just refill the little ovals. And then I'm saving all of the ones that are used up. I have like a box of them now that I'm putting them all in. And eventually we're going to do something with all of those too. So maybe it keeps them out of the landfill. I don't know. The other one I want to like shout out as one of my favorite art supplies that has made my life a lot easier is Mako Stroke and Coat Wonder Glaze for clay. Oh, yeah. I have we talked about this yes we briefly like talked about how much you love them so we have okay so yeah. we have talked about it. okay okay so the reason I love this brand this kind of glaze so much is because it actually is like magical I honestly don't understand the science behind it why it works this way but it's magical because normally you would apply you do a bisque fire first for your clay and have it all, you know, it turns white, um, unless it's terracotta. And then you do a glaze firing. So you have to do two firings at least, you know, per, mm-hmm. um, round of clay, but this, you can apply this glaze directly on, uh, or greenware, even if it's wet, like you can directly apply it as soon as you finish making whatever you're making, even if the clay is still kind of wet, you can literally slap this glaze on, it will fire and it will turn pretty much, I mean, it'll turn the way that it's supposed to turn out. So the only thing if, if the clay is really wet is that you have to leave a degassing area, which I always do anyway. So like, I don't have them glaze the bottom of whatever we're doing. So the clay, that way as it dries, it has an area to degas so it's not coated somewhere if that makes sense yeah if you do it on the bisqueware then you don't have to do that you don't have to leave an area for degassing anyway so basically what this does it essentially cuts your clay your um, kiln time in half because you only have to do one firing round you just do one which is clay and glaze all together yeah thought I, I thought oh this is there's no way this is going to turn out like the same as if you do two firings and it does it's beautiful so yeah i think that's a game changer i think especially for elementary like so many kids especially if you're doing multiple grade levels doing clay that yep. that lessening of kiln time makes a world of a difference and i've never actually done that i just remember us talking about it because i remember also questioning like how does that even work and do i want to try that as an option and didn't end up doing it at this or with my middle school students and then you swearing by it and I was like cool great yeah if I ever need to do this like all right I'm gonna like trust and I think they I mean they market that too like that's what they're kind of known for right yeah I mean if you go to the like website Mako Stroke and Coat Wonder Glaze if you go there it literally like it and I when I was doing it again this year I went back to be like okay for sure can I do this like am I remembering this wrong I went back to the website it it tells you like all about it and so yeah it's I think it's called a wonder glaze for that reason because it's like it's like magical today's sponsor is Rose Art all of those crayons that are sitting in the back of your closet that are Rose Art brand that you don't know what to do with. 
throw them in your sculpture station, all you tab teachers, because you know you're not going to color with them. Rose art. The crowns, no one needs. For once. <laughs> but somehow they always get donated to us, and we take them with a smile. <laughs> I was going to say, come on, Rose art, like, just make something else. Like, you know you're not making yeah. good crowns, so change up what you're making. Rose art, just make something else. <laughs> just make something else. <laughs> I can't even melt them down to make other like crayons because if they get mixed in with the good ones when i melt them down they ruin that batch of homemade crayons because there's so much wax and like no pigment oh that's frustrating i have another game changer for printmaking besides the speedball and blick inks i think those are going to change your world lino cuts so you got some block what kind of blocks are they so they are soft cut but it's cut with a K printing block and they're super thick. And so they are similar to the lino cut process, but just not having to heat that block up and then have that really thin little layer to cut. Uh, so we're going to use those for printmaking this year. And I think that's going to be a step up from the styrofoam. There's That sounds cool. So are you, do you still have to use the like carving tools? Are they metal or do they use different tools to cut that? We're going to use the metal carving tools okay yeah that's gonna be a lot of learning because i've never done that with middle schoolers and that's a lot of safety risks yeah yeah and yeah. the reason i've never done like lino cut or like all of that is because it's they're those are so expensive to get so many of them and so i've always done like the foam plates that are really thin um which that is another great thing to order for elementary um, and they have them on Amazon or Blick. Yeah. But they're like, they Look. these really thin little printmaking foam plates. Melissa and so, brand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've used those in elementary. Yes. So I don't know if I would do it with elementary, but I'm saying this for Game Changer in the printmaking world because yeah. the lino cut block, having to heat it up and doing all of that, that's just a lot of work. And this is still a very similar way. And they're not terribly expensive either. You can get them in different sizes and it could be a pretty big purchase, but that would be like your one thing, maybe stock up the room or get a grant, get them, or maybe even a club or workshop. But I, I feel a lot more comfortable doing printmaking this year with them versus the standard lino cut block. Like that makes me very, very nervous. Did you do that before with middle school? No, I was going to do it last semester and it just didn't work out with our schedule, like the curriculum, scaffolding, all of that. So I was like, okay, that's fine. We'll make it a next year curriculum thing. Yeah. Uh, as I was going through, okay, I'm experiencing these difficulties and then translating it to middle school. I was like, there's no way 25 kids were going to get on board for this. Let's find an, an easier or I should say more accessible option especially with the range of skills that I see so I'm I'm still a little nervous because it'll be my first time doing printmaking I should say doing this lino cut method with this age group so yeah it's not your first time doing printmaking with Correct. students yeah yeah so yeah. it just makes me nervous because it, this does have like a little more safety risk and just making sure we mitigate that and go through that uh wonderfully but I think that this block is really going to be a game changer as well. And what was it called again? Soft cut with a K. With a cut. Yeah. Or with a K. Yeah. And okay. I am going to try to invest in like 
uh, garden gloves to try to get some of those off Facebook Marketplace. So if they are, unfortunately, close to cutting themselves, they've got some something catching them. Ooh, that's a good idea. Thanks. Saw that, I think, online somewhere. And then there are some guards. I forget what they're called, but you put them up on the table. And I'm not sure if I'm going to try to get a bunch or just have an ample amount for students who need them that also, like, kind of hold the plate in place so they're there's no way that they would be going up and accidentally hit their hand. So yeah, that one's been a real work in progress. So I'm trying to figure out all of the scaffolding for safety. Just just that, the safety in itself. Mm-hmm. Oof. Well, that's that sounds like a cool resource for people that it, again, more like for secondary than yeah. for elementary, but that sounds like a cool resource for that. Hopefully that goes well. We'll have to do a check-in check in, in like a few months, like we talked about, where it's like, okay, Corey, did you do the soft cut line of blocks? Like, how did yeah. that go? Yeah, and then when we get to printmaking for your your ink, yeah, and that knitting club, yeah. Which I thought that's, I mean, that is what I've been using those speedball inks, but they're like so old and nasty that it's like it's just different. When, when they're and they're and. And it says that they're water soluble, but then like there's a lot of there's a lot of separation going on where like there's I think there's oil in it or something, and it's just yeah. When they're old and you squeeze it and that coppery bronzy color yeah. comes out, that to me is like unless you can push it and mix it up and get all of that mushed around, it's not worth using. Like it's it's timed out. I need to just order new new speedball inks, and that will actually make my printmaking experience better so yeah you need to do that yeah it's amazing how much sometimes one di- one thing can make it like make or break i feel like that sums up well what we like to teach what we like to order and a check-in on like what we've changed in our classroom so far this year so thank you to our sponsor and we will see you next time on those art teachers actually we'll not see you we'll hear we'll you'll hear us you will hear us and we would love to hear from you please tag your favorite supply your favorite brand something that maybe has changed your game and whatever medium is your favorite on our instagram at those art teachers and yeah that's our episode thanks for listening and you'll hear from us next time bye not bye bye not bye